0: Hey everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Not if I Reboot You First, the podcast where me and Lindsay take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. I'm Lindsay and I'm Tanner Lindsay. Uh, how are you feeling today?
1: Um little you know tired
0: but like are you are you feeling good? Are yeah, you feeling for the most part. hashtag
1: blessed yeah, especially after having some of this uh cider
0: ah. Well, you're, you're going to feel especially good when I tell you that I almost threw out my initial plans for this week and we were just going to talk about the Disney Channel original movie musical Zombies. <laughs> okay. That was almost put onto the docket. I had my spreadsheet and my finger was hovering over the delete bucket and over this week's topic so I could just type in Disney Zombies. Oh, no. I made the mistake of listening to a few songs from it and it's like, it's... It's this weird mishmash of high school musical and worm bodies and also bring it on.
1: Okay. Yeah. And
0: it uh, <sighs> one day we will I will have a whole hour to talk about Disney zombies, but that's not what we're here for this week.
1: No, um, it is not.
0: This week, we're going to be talking and rebooting the action goth movie franchise, Underworld. Okay. Lindsay, are you familiar with Underworld?
1: Yes, I am.
0: Nice. Well, Though I've only of you... watched
1: the first movie.
0: That's the only good one.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, n-
0: the second one is okay. It's n- And I haven't seen the third. I kind of want to see the third one because we will be talking about some stuff that happens in the third one, and then four and five are right out.
1: Yeah, just... Nosedived. There was no recovery.
0: No. Well, there might be after we're done with it. Yeah. When we just burn it all, salt the earth, and start from scratch.
1: (laughs) Underworld must be destroyed.
0: Yes. Like the phoenix from the ashes, it rises again. Stronger, sexier, gothier.
1: It is a black phoenix.
0: Yes. That's some perfect gothic imagery there.
1: Yeah. So goth. Much goth.
0: Yep. None more goth.
1: (laughs) None more goth. (laughs) <laughs> so what is what are you proposing for a new underworld movie okay
0: so first for the viewers at home who are not familiar with it i will walk y'all through the basic premise for underworld which is the, gonna be the same in mine where it is one of the modern classics of the fur versus fang werewolves versus vampires type of story our main character is Celine and she is a death dealer, which is a fancy way of saying she's an assassin who specializes in taking out werewolves because werewolves and vampires have been at war for thousands of years. The timeline is a bit iffy in this because judging by flashbacks and prequels, the war started uh it's in like I would reckon around Vlad's time originally. Okay. So what year was that? Was that twelve hundreds or am I way off?
1: Uh were you talking about the Crusades or
0: Yeah, oh yeah, I guess Crusade time would make sense.
1: Uh all right. First Crusade would be Uh started in ten ninety five.
0: Okay, so the war in the movie has been going on for about a thousand years. Um, and yeah, the main character is Celine. She fights the werewolves, not just because she's a vampire, but she also has a vendetta against them because the werewolves killed her entire family and she was only saved because one of the vampire leaders, Victor, he found her and he turned her so that she would have the strength to fight the werewolves. Oh yeah, but they're not called werewolves in this. They are lichens.
1: Yeah, because they can actually license that word.
0: Yes. And because we fancy.
1: Yeah. Even though it is just like a partial Latin no, Greek word for wolf. Yes. Yeah, because lupus is Latin.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh. And Harry Potter already put their thing on S- that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, with um Professor Werewolf McWerewolferton.
0: Yes. <laughs> It's my mom, when we went to see Harry Potter and the the third thing that happened to him, (laughs) my mom immediately guessed that Lupin was a werewolf after like 10 minutes of screen time. Not because his name was Remus or his last name was Lupin or any of the other hints, but because she noticed that he had lupus. (laughs) (laughs) That was what tipped her off. Everything else landed by the wayside, but maybe the most subtle of any hints, that's what she picked up on.
1: An immunodegenerative disorder, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but, yeah. So, lichens versus vampires.
0: Lichens versus death dealers.
1: Lichens versus death dealers. You have to get pedantic about this.
0: Really angry blackjack table people.
1: Oh yeah. So are we gonna keep the aesthetic, the kind of like cyberpunkish? Goff. I don't
0: think it went into cyberpunk I would no, pay it, good money to see No us- it wasn't but it
1: this is like post Matrix. So, of course, everybody's got the long leather jackets and katanas. Oh, yeah.
0: It was like neo noir aesthetic. Yeah. Cyber. Well, actually, I think I'm getting a little bit more cyberpunk than the movie did. The movie had some cyberpunk stuff, I would say, because one of the plot points was that the werewolves developed UV bullets that, if they shot them at a vampire, it would be the equivalent of exposing them to sunlight. Okay. And so then the vampires reverse engineered those and created uh, silver oxide bullets that, like, when you shot them at the werewolf, they would release liquid silver into their bloodstream, and so they wouldn't be able to just rip them out. They would be toast as soon as they got hit.
1: Okay, the science of that is super sketchy, but it's
0: werewolves and vampires. There's no yeah. science here.
1: I know, I know. I just remember one Myth MythBusters episode where they tested silver bullets and found that silver's too soft.
0: Well, maybe they were in a more harder metal casing and
1: full metal jacket casing, so that it wouldn't melt. Immediately and just be utterly useless.
0: Listen, they're shooting at each other with very deadly fruit gushers.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, anyways, and like, yes, science isn't real here because the, orig- the origins of the werewolves and the vampires is that one time there was an immortal named Alexander Corvinus, and they don't explain how yeah. he became immortal, he just was, and he had three children, and one... Um, what was his name? Marcus got bitten by a bat and turned into a vampire because that's how it works.
1: Yeah, you totally don't get rapies from that.
0: Nope. And then the other one, uh, I can't remember the second brother's name, but whatever, he, he's not relevant. The second brother, he gets bitten by a wolf and turns into becomes the first werewolf. And then the third brother just manages to go through life unscathed, pretty much. And he has a bunch of kids and the bloodline goes down, da 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 The main uh, conflict of the original Underworld movie is that the werewolves have tracked down the last descendant of Mikael Corvinus, whose name is Michael Corvin, that's convenient, and they, like, his blood has the perfect makeup that he could be a werewolf and a vampire simultaneously, and he will be stronger than both races. And so they're hunting him and Selena is also hunting him so she can find out why the Lycans want him. He gets turned into a werewolf and then they fall in love because he's sexy. There's there's no build up. Yeah. It's just part way through she has decided. Selene has decided, "You know what? I love this man."
1: Well, he also stands out because he's probably hairier than most of the vampire men she hangs out with. Oh no. Oh.
0: He's he's buffer than most of the vampires. That's oh, for yeah. sure. He's he's very mundane compared to all of the goths that she hangs out in their compound. Okay, but no bo- body hair. He's yeah. he is. I just uh, like imagine
1: just... Uh, hot vampire men are really into the manscaping, whereas oh, hot werewolf sure. men would just be like covered in hair.
0: Actually, there there's not a lot of body hair at all in this movie. It's a shame. Even the werewolf CGI, they don't even look like they have that much hair.
1: Yeah. Well. Remus Lupin in the Harry Potter movies, when he turned into a werewolf that one time that we ever saw it, looked kind of like a werewolf with mange.
0: Yeah, but like that worked, at least. Yeah. With Underworld, it was the early 2000s, and no one wanted to animate hair or fur.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is true.
0: So it's like... I mean,
1: just like the actors in general, just like leave the chest hair.
0: Nope not nope. not a nary a chest hair to be seen.
1: <laughs> disappointed.
0: Yes. Um anyway, so there's a big fight and a uh, falling out between Celine and Victor because she finds out that Victor was actually the one who killed her family all along and it wasn't the lichens and he wanted to turn her into a vampire because she reminded him of his daughter Sonya because I guess vampires can procreate naturally in this too along with biting.
1: Uh, there's a lot of playing around with vampire lore anyway, so... They're not
0: technically undead in this universe, so yeah. I can roll with it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and he reminds her of his daughter, or she reminds him of his daughter Sonia, who he had executed when he found out that she was pregnant with a werewolf-vampire hybrid. And him killing her is what sparked the werewolf rebellion against the vampires, because originally they were a slave race. <sighs> Yeah, we'll actually know what? Yeah, let's let's just r- r- jump right into the uh, fantastic racism that's going on here. Because yeah, the fantastic racism trope in general, you got to be very careful with, because almost every single time you try to do it, you are going to be cribbing from actual traumatic racism stuff that's going on. And quite often, you're cribbing from like, Jewish people and Romani people who are quite famous for everyone kind of just forgetting that they went through stuff.
1: Yep, Or you try to have the whole slave narrative that you take from the transatlantic slave trade and how black people ended up in the Americas, and that usually doesn't end well. Or the whole magical Native American thing, too. In which case, Native American people tend to be treated like they're fairies.
0: Yeah, oof. And you also invariably... you. I, I'm i not going to say that every single person who does a fantastic racism is trying to do a heavy metaphor, but the ones who do almost invariably have a bunch of white people playing the marginalized magical group. Yeah. And nary, nary a person of color to be seen in this narrative that we have appropriated from the struggles of people of color.
1: Mm hmm. It's awkward. Yeah. So awkward and i i will say this um they also authors and creators tend not to use you know actual visible minority people to represent the actual oppressed people and there's usually something about these oppressed people in a fantastic narrative sense where there actually is a good reason to fear them yeah usually because they got superpowers of some sort uh,
0: like let's let's take a quick glance at true blood which came out of the gates declaring that vampires are a metaphor for queer people. And I liked it for the first few seasons, but very quickly I realized, you know, I don't think an issue with queer people is that they are tearing out the throats of people who piss them off. Yeah. Or starting cults, or using mind control, Or using dark magical powers to invoke the chaotic spirit of Dionysus and having the Maenads go crazy.
1: Yeah, like, I think you could do a fantastic racism narrative or a fantastic oppression narrative with vampires, but that's if you don't have them as the super glamorous, super powerful stereotype that we've had since dracula and bram stoker i think the only way that it could work is if you have like a drug addiction narrative and they are basically magical heroin addicts yeah and they are seen as parasites by the other magical folks
0: Mm -hmm. and like with with anything like like i think you could if you're very good at it you could could play a fantastic racism narrative correctly But one of the key things is you do need to make sure there's visible minorities on both sides of it. Yeah. Because if you have all the vampires white and all the werewolves are white or with Underworld, I think there is one black werewolf and one black vampire and they both die.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: And they're also bo- both both uh, buff, bald dudes, too.
1: So there isn't even any differentiation between the two guys.
0: No, it's just like one's one's the science vampire and one's like the second in command werewolf. And there you go. But yeah, so if you have everyone be white, the, on top of the normal, we're not fond of this thing, you've also, it's very appropriative of any kind of struggle. Yeah. If you were to make all the werewolves visible minorities and all the vampires were white, then I feel like that's double appropriative. Yeah. Especially, I'll, I'll get into the bigger issue with the werewolves later, but you could also, if you flip that and all the vampires were people of color and all the werewolves were white, then you've got this really concerning thing of, oh no, it's it's the reverse racism and see, the, the we're going to show how bad it is the other way around. In the alternate dimension where the white people were the oppressed minority.
1: God save me from that whole reverse racism thing.
0: I read an interview with someone who does, like, they read through uh, manuscripts that are sent to a sci-fi publisher, and they said a good 75% of their slush pile is people who are like, it's a speculative fiction where black people are in charge and white people are oppressed, and those just get immediately tossed out. Yeah. So on the one hand, stop doing that. But on the other hand, keep doing that and wasting your time because I'm not sure I want to read anything else you're putting out. Yeah. Anyway, the other big issue with the werewolves is that they are, it's set up as a revolution, like right from the beginning. It was, they were already oppressed, and then when some vampires tried to help them, those vampires were punished, and like there was a genocide going on, and so the werewolves had a rebellion and they revolted, and now this war has been going on for centuries. But the thing is, we never actually see any sympathetic werewolves. The werewolves are treated as the monsters that the werewolves are always treated as in most media. Yeah. The leader of them, Lucian, I think Lucian or Lucius, Michael Sheen, <laughs> the werewolf Michael Sheen is seen as a tragic figure for sure, but he's not necessarily sympathetic. Uh, he is still killing people, killing innocents, and he looks like Pearl from Battlefield Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and all the werewolves we see are bloody and grungy and filthy Gross. and like living underground. So it's like they're they're not shown as anything that they should be in this narrative. It's all really uncomfortable when you start breaking it down. Yeah. So here's how I am fixing Underworld, and we're just doing the first movie. I could see this becoming a franchise on its own. My ending plan has it left open. But we're just looking at the first movie right now, so it does start off. We have Celine. She's like, "Hi, I'm Celine. I'm a death dealer. Uh, like record scratch. Bet you're wondering how this happened to me." She and some other death dealers. They are hunting some werewolves. They are taking them out. They track them to like this little base apartment thing. There's a big shootout. And they're all taken out. And then after that, they're just doing cleanup, making sure that no humans saw this because this battle has been taking place underneath the watchful eye of humans. No humans have not noticed. And if they have, they're taken out. So it starts off with a big action sequence and then they're just doing some later investigation. And Celine is looking through this apartment and she's like, something's not adding up. Like there's no weapons here. There's a whole bunch of supplies. There's like baby food and diapers and a crib. And one of her other death dealer like associates, they're like, "Oh, don't worry, like they're lichens, they're dumb, stupid dogs. Like, why are we even worrying about this?" And Celine's like, "Well, I think we should examine this closely because we don't want them to take us by surprise. Like, they're our enemy. They're not just stupid dogs. And so it's really weird. And she takes her findings back to the uh, vampire authority." which at this point in both my version and the original was Amelia as the current head vampire and Craven, who is a terrible name for a vampire because I either think of Craven from Spider-Man or the uh, country time jamboree that goes on outside (laughs) our city.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like I get it. You're trying to be cool and vampire namey, but like it's a bit too on the nose too.
0: Just at least call him Carl with a K.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. She takes her findings to them. And they're like, again, they're like, listen, don't worry about it. We're we're not going to worry about the lichens. They're just, we just need to get rid of them so that they don't kill any of us. And she's still like, this is the point in the movie where she starts having some doubts. And so she goes back to investigate the apartment and she's looking through stuff. And then while she's looking for stuff, she hears the door open. And so she hides and she sees a young woman walk into the apartment. And this woman is very visibly pregnant. Like, she's almost done. And she, like, the woman, she as soon as she walks in, she realizes that someone has been there. Like, there's been a fight. And that, like, she's looking for people. There were supposed to be people there. And she can't find them. And she's getting visibly nervous. And that's when Celine comes out and confronts her. And she's like, who are you? And what are you doing here? And the woman's like, I don't know who you are. My name's Michaela. And I just... I live here. There are supposed to be other people here. And Celine, like, smells her and she's like, You don't, you're a human, but you smell like a lichen. And then that's when the pregnant girl, Michaela, she's like, Oh my God, you're one of them. And she pulls out, like, a steak because for whatever reason, this girl knows about the whole conflict. And they have a fight, and Celine is. She, like, defends herself, but she's not going to hurt this woman, because she's not going to hurt... That's, like, her one thing, is that she's not going to hurt innocent humans, and... We could have scenes uh, prior to this, like showing that that's a point of contention between her and other vampires, that they see humans as basically a meal at worst and a nuisance at best. But Celine actually remembers her time as a human and respects humans and doesn't want humans getting caught in the crossfire. Okay. So while Celine and this girl are fighting, another person walks in, a guy, and this guy sees this and he immediately starts to turn into a werewolf. He and Celine have a fight. And this is where things get kind of blurry for me because I only have bits and pieces of this thought out over the past two (laughs) weeks. I was trying to figure out how to do this. But basically, at the end of this, Celine is knocked out and taken somewhere. And when she awakens, she finds herself basically in a homestead surrounded by lichens. And she's tied up, but she's otherwise unharmed. And she's like, what the hell is going on? Uh, What have you done to me? And you're going to kill me, aren't you? And they're like, no, no, we're not going to kill you yet, but we need to know how much you know, and we need to know what happened. And so she tells them that she's a vampire. She dealt some death to the werewolves that were at the apartment. And then she asks them why they haven't just killed her automatically, because they're lichens and they're her mortal enemy. They shouldn't be imprisoning her and they explain that yeah they're werewolves but they're trying to stay out of the whole war between werewolves and vampires because they're just innocents they were either turned against their will or they escaped from this whole mob slash pack mentality that's been going on for generations that it's always been if you're a werewolf you have to fight the vampires no ifs no buts yeah and this little The smaller pack is like, no, no, we don't want to do that. We want to actually try and live our lives. And then boy werewolf that she found at the apartment, he explains that the girl, Michaela, is his girlfriend, and she's pregnant with his child. It was conceived after he was turned into a Lycan, but before he realized that. So the baby is a werewolf, but the mom is still human. Yeah. Over the course of things, Celine like realizes that like she still doesn't fully trust them, but she also realizes that these specific lichens are not going to hurt her. So she does become a little more relaxed, and then she finds out that the their like leader at the moment is a guy named Lucius, and that's yeah. when she starts to freak out again because in the movie lucius was supposed to have died hundreds of years ago and so the fact that he's still alive takes everyone by surprise and the same thing happens here because regardless of what's going on lucius is one of the most famous werewolf leaders in the history of the conflict yeah and Celine wants to know why like as soon as she finds out he's involved she immediately starts doubting them thinking that this is another trap that this is something to uh, get her guard down so that they can ambush her and attack the vampire stronghold in the nearby city, which I don't think they ever
1: named the city. No, I don't remember.
0: It's your generic art deco Gotham city.
1: There's a lot of rain.
0: Yeah, there's so much rain. You can't be goth neo-noir without rain.
1: Mm -hmm. Again, that was cribbed from, like, the Matrix.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so she kidnaps a scientist who she had found who was explaining to her... In this version, this scientist like explains to her the history of the vampire werewolf conflict, whereas in the movie it was like it was also a scientist explaining it in the original movie, but he had been like captured by Craven and dragged in front of the resurrected victor and explained the whole Shebang to them about why they were trying to find a hybrid. So this time he explains it to Celine under much more relaxed circumstances, but she kidnaps him and drags him back to the vampire stronghold. And this is when she resurrects Victor. Because another, it's not a huge plot point, but basically in the originals, there were three vampire leaders Amelia, Victor, and Marcus. And there was always only one of them awake and two of them in hibernation, and they swapped like every 30 years. Celine resurrects Victor before it's his turn because she, he's her daddy substitute. Yeah. And she's like, I don't trust what's going on with Craven and Amelia because they were trying to hide this from me that there was nothing going on, but I think they knew. And now I have this scientist who's saying that they are trying to find a way to create a vampire werewolf hybrid and use it as a weapon against us. Okay. And so, through some conflict and fighting, they determine that Craven has been working with the werewolves because he wants to get a hold of the hybrid and control it so that he can stage a coup, and okay. Amelia has been aware of this as well because she wants to be the only vampire leader. This is in my version now, not the yeah. original. Okay. And so, they fight to take out craven and take out amelia and now victor's in charge and now victor like talking to the scientist he's asked the scientist who did you track down like did you find the third descendant of the corvinus line and he's like yes it's michaela corvin who is the pregnant girl from before yeah has the werewolf baby And so the vampires launch an assault on the homestead. And Celine finds out about this before. And she's super conflicted because on the one hand, she knows Lucian is there. And she knows that there's something going on. But on the other hand, she's pretty sure that many of the worlds are innocent. And also, Michaela is once again an innocent human being. Yeah. And so she gets there just before the vampires do to warn them. And they do this big fight, big brawl. This is... I'm kind of tearing through this, but like a lot of this is very simple stuff. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of action set pieces and political machinations. There's not a lot of nitty gritty details. Yeah. Yeah. So they do a big fight in the midst of it. That's when she learns, like there's a fight between Lucius, Lucian, Michael Sheen I don't know his character's name. There's a fight between Michael Sheen and Victor. <laughs> and one thing I do want to change is that in the movies, um, Michael Sheen just had like a blade that came out from by his wrist in his coat that he could use to fight people without turning. Yeah, but I want to up the ante on that a lot. So I'm going to have it that he has these big razor gauntlets that have okay. been grafted onto his arms. Yeah, and so then when he turns into a werewolf, they just become these huge claws. Ooh! Because Victor fights with a sword. Yeah. So Michael Sheen has these big greaves that he can use to deflect stuff and attack Victor with, while Victor is going after him with the sword. Yeah. And it's during this fight that Celine learns that Victor. Like, she learns the whole history, the rest of the history, how uh, Sonia was killed and Michael Sheen was in love with her and that she was turned and her family killed because Victor thought she looked like Sonia. And so she intervenes in the fight and she attacks Victor, which gives Michael Sheen a chance to escape. And it also, she helps... The young couple, the werewolf boy, who I neglected to name, (laughs) she helps the werewolf boy and Michaela escape as well. But while they're trying to escape, the vampires come, they knock them out, and they are able to get a hold of Michaela instead. Yeah. So the final act takes place in the vampire stronghold, where Michaela is imprisoned, Victor is there, and he's talking about how uh, it was an abomination that was created between Lucian and Sonya. But he still likes the idea of the power of a hybrid between vampire and werewolf and a weapon like that could end the war for good. Yeah. And you suddenly realize that Victor plans on turning Sonia and th- therefore turning her baby so that he can take the baby. Yeah. And this whole time, Sonia has been like, I, I'm in league with the Lycans and I'm fine with my boyfriend being one. Or no, sorry, not Sonia, Michaela.
1: Michaela, yeah.
0: Michaela has been saying like, I'm in link with the lichens and I'm fine with my boyfriend being one, but I want to stay a human if I can. Yeah. But Victor is now saying that he's going to turn her into a vampire and thus her baby will become a hybrid because sure, that's how science can work today.
1: Sure. <laughs> We're just going to beat it over the head with a lead pipe.
0: Yep. Celine and boyfriend and Lucius attack the stronghold and they're mowing down vampire goons left and right uh Celine gets there. She's attacking Victor and like re- revenge for her family. And then the boyfriend is uh, joining in the attack as well, but he gets taken out really quickly. Celine frees Michaela and Michaela's fleeing. Nah, Michaela is fleeing. Yeah. And then Victor is like, "Well, if I cannot have the hybrid, then if I cannot have this weapon, then no one can." And he throws his sword and he impales Michaela right through the heart. Ooh. Michaela goes down. Celine's uh the boyfriend's like no or I guess he's a werewolf so he howls in agony yeah um Celine runs to Michaela and she like shakes her I'm th- this is the kind of fight that needs to take place in a big tower yeah so she grabs Michaela and then she jumps down to another level. And uh, the boyfriend's there and he's like, oh my gosh, she's dying. I don't know what to do. And uh, Celine's like, you have to let me turn her because that's the only way she and the baby will the survive. Yeah. And Michaela's like, no, no, I can't. I want to stay human. And Celine's like, I'm sorry, but I can't let... I can't let Victor take another innocent life. And so she turns Michaela. And Michaela becomes a vampire. And then Amelie begins giving birth. Celine, now that she has fed, she has her strength back. And she goes back to fight Victor and uh, Lucian slash Lucius slash Michael Sheen. I know it would be so easy for me to just look up the character's name. Yeah. But I don't have the energy to do that.
1: Oh, poor you.
0: For, hang on. Let me. I'll bite. <laughs> His name is lucian with an n okay i could have just been calling him turl this whole time but i'm better than that (laughs) yeah (laughs) so lucian joins in the fight against victor with Celine, and together they're able to take him out and then at the end lucian is like well victor's dead and amelia is also dead all that remains is Marcus, and Celine. if you give me that baby, I can raise it to be a weapon against the vampires. And then Celine's like, well, no, it's a baby, it should be able to live a normal life. And then Lucian starts to attack her because, like, no, we need this baby to take out the rest of the evil vampires for good. We need to destroy them the way that they tried to destroy the werewolves. And it's at this point that Celine realizes that Lucian himself has become so corrupted over the years of war that he can't even think of the baby as... A child, he's only been thinking of it as a weapon, and that this entire time his plan was for Celine or some other vampire to turn Michaela and create the hybrid baby. So Celine. I don't know. She has a flashbang or something that she picked up in an earlier scene. We go full check off. She drops a flashbang to distract Lucian. She gets down to the other level. She gathers up these uh, teen parents and she's like, okay, we're leaving now. And they're like, where are we going? And she's like, oh, we're just, we're just running away. We are getting to the countryside and we are getting away from this war. Okay. And then the last scene is uh, like at another house in the middle of nowhere where the sun is setting. We see the two young parents with their kid and they're like playing with it and feeding it or whatnot. And then as the sun sets, uh, the figure of Selene appears on the roof and like in the uh, narration over top of the scene, she's like, I was a warrior for the vampires, but now I'm a warrior against them and against the werewolves and anyone who would try to harm the innocents One way or another, I will find a way to stop this war. And that's how the movie ends.
1: Sequel bait!
0: Yay! I ripped through that way quicker than I thought I would.
1: Well, it's actually a pretty simple concept anyway.
0: Yeah. I spent like the past 10 days thinking, you know what? I should write up some notes for this for Thursday.
1: I should write up some notes. And then I just didn't.
0: Yeah. I should. Yeah. I do need to write notes for the next two because they are going to involve, like, a lot of detail stuff. Yeah. This one is very much... If you're familiar with the Underworld original movie, it follows a lot of the same beats. We're just taking out some of the more concerning stuff with the werewolves and uh, replacing them with a lot more sympathetic characters. Yeah. And I imagine going forward in the sequels, there would also be some more sympathetic vampires because surely it's the same deal with werewolves that the ones who are born into this or the ones that are turned for this, they don't immediately just decide to be soldiers for this war right off the bat. They're going to want to keep living their lives as best they can, like get into the more traditional vampire tropes where it's like, I might be a monster, but I can still find humanity inside myself, as opposed to Underworld, which is just uh, gunfights, Yeah. Bra-bra-bra. We can have action scenes, but, like, find some humanity in them.
1: Yeah. Like, you could have the reluctant vampire in that, you know, I never wanted to be a vampire in the first place. Mm-hmm. Somebody just decided I look like a tasty snack and I somehow lived. Yeah,
0: it's like, well, with werewolf boyfriend, he gets bitten, and but and then he conceives the child. But after he realizes he's a werewolf and he gets things under control, he's like, well if my girlfriend and my kid are going to be hunted by all of these people on all sides, at least now I have the power to protect them. Yeah. And so I would like to see those two sides where it's like, Oh no, I'm a monster or I might be a monster, but I am strong enough to protect the ones I love or avenge the ones I love. Yeah. Like Celine and werewolf boyfriend would have a lot of common ground with that. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think this is, this might be one of our shorter episodes.
0: Yeah, unless you have any other ideas for it.
1: Um, it has been so long since I watched *Underworld*. Um, how much aesthetically are we gonna rip from *The Matrix* really? Um, or are, is it gonna be more high goth? I feel like
0: the originals hit a very good balance of neo noir and gothness. I don't but want to. I I kind
1: of feel like it. Too hard one way or another, but at the same time, like... I think the
0: originals were, like, 70-30 noir to goth.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm more thinking about the fashions, because they were very early 2000s.
0: Oh, yes. Everything about this movie screamed early 2000s. Yeah. It's like, if you take the uh, fight scene between Daredevil and Elektra from the Daredevil movie, and just extrapolate that, and, like... Add vampires and werewolves, you kind of yeah. get the f- a feel for this movie's aesthetic. <laughs>
1: yeah. And all the midriff. Just yes. So much midriff and bad prom hairstyles.
0: I will say that um, for aesthetic reasons, take out. Like, we can still have shoot em, f- shoot em up scenes, but. I would rather see a lot more with like werewolves, claws and fangs versus vampires using bladed weapons.
1: Yeah. That just seems more fitting and not Katana's. Or keep the katanas to a very select few.
0: Have, oh, we can have like a side character who's like a new vampire who's just rearing to go and fight the werewolves. Yeah. And he picks a katana as his weapon. <laughs> and then as soon as, like, he gets into one of the battles with them, And as soon as he tries to fight, a werewolf just immediately grabs it and snaps it in half. Yeah. And then decapitates them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, The katana is a good sword, but it is so overhyped. Yeah.
0: It's not, it's not a sword made for sword fighting.
1: It is good for slashing, and that's about it. Yeah. Throw in some rapiers, some swords, some fucking claymores.
0: Or even other stuff, like one of Celine's more iconic weapons in the original was, like, she had these two silver glaives that yeah. she could use as melee weapons, or she could chuck them at the wolves. Yeah. And she and Victor do have a sword fight in the end.
1: Yes, just like super epic, and that's where you blow the budget.
0: Yeah, and also I feel like we could keep several of people from the cast the same. Yeah, even though it would be weird if this was a reboot, but like I like I love Bill Nighy in anything he's in, and he mm-hmm. plays Victor in this real well.
1: Yeah, like with the current makeup and CGI technology, anyway, like he would hardly look like he aged a day from the original.
0: I mean yeah. I don't think he has aged in the past 10 years. Yeah. Um Kate Beckinsale yeah. was great as Celine. Um and as as since I kept on calling him by his actor name, keep Michael Sheen as Lucian. Yeah. So, do you have any other ideas for uh,
1: uh Underworld again? Did the Underworld series ever include other monsters other than vampires and werewolves?
0: It was technically it was this vampires and werewolves and the immortals.
1: Immortals. So Which were never explained. Okay, maybe you don't have to like fully explain as you as you should know what the immortals are but maybe have that as something of a through line so maybe they play a bigger role in subsequent movies. Yeah. Well, stuff goes in on.
0: Underworld 2, One of the uh, plot points was that, like, Immortal Dad Alexander is still alive. And he's basically running a non-government organization that cleans up after all of these vampire and werewolf fights. Okay. So, and I really like that. And so I would still keep that in. And they could even still encounter Alexander. Yeah. But I would would like there to be some more meaning behind him being an immortal other than just, like, yeah, I'm immortal.
1: Yeah, like how did they become immortal are they even human are they gods are they like the nephilim or whatever like it would be more of I do the like myth the building idea of
0: them yeah keep the world building i do like the idea of them being nephilim actually yeah cuz then we can also kind of hit that uh, penny dreadful penny dreadful button where yeah dracula was one half of lucifer
1: okay and then Maybe you could add in something about like the Mark of Cain, because that's never fully described in the Bible, but it's often been associated with vampire myths Hmm. in more modern times, really, than in the past. Yeah, that could be something. Yeah. Just something for the audience. OG vampires used to be fat, bloated peasants.
0: Yeah. Sorry. And you turn into a vampire if an animal jumps over your corpse.
1: Yeah. or you committed suicide, or you were buried in a plot you're supposed to, you weren't supposed to be or you know in new england you had tb yeah
0: or if you were a werewolf in life then when you died you became a vampire
1: yeah oh. it's
0: the circle of death <laughs> or would it be the
1: circle of goth yes it's the circle of goth because you go from like super grunge goth werewolves to like high romance uh, vampires and then you go back Yep. <laughs> right in the middle is um, what we do in the dark. Yes.
0: <laughs> Where do we fit in the hot topic goths?
1: <laughs> um, they are the. They're a starting point somewhere in the middle, but not what we do in the dark. Middle, they're more like actually on the spectrum, on like. The circle part, <laughs> and you can kind of go in one of two directions. You either go more the grunge direction, or you go more of the romance direction.
0: So we've now become gone into Pokemon branch evolutions.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: um. Hmm. All right. Was there anything else you wanted to add?
1: Not off the top of my head, and we could probably save for expansions to your new Underworld series for later Halloween episodes.
0: I have so many ideas that we could say for Halloween though. Yeah. I need I need to keep at least one week just to be like, whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it is a free week.
0: <laughs> yes, and, and next year will probably be Disney zombies.
1: Yeah, yeah. Knowing you. Knowing me. <laughs> yeah. Would there be a crossover with Disney descendants? No, God no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're not going to sully the good name of Disney Descendants by exposing them to zombies.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I didn't even know that there was a good name to Disney Descendants.
0: Well, in my opinion, there is.
1: Okay. Do you want a hint for next week's episode?
0: Oh, we have to do the spiel first.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Which I, I was going to type up. I'll type it up for next time.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: All right. So that concludes this week's episode of Not If I Rebeat You First. Lindsay, where can you be found on social media?
1: I'm on Twitter at at Lindsay M476. And from there, you can see all of my other social media bullshits. Tanner, where are you at?
0: I am on Twitter at SparkyUpstart. Upstart. I almost forgot my Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and notify reboot you first is also a member of the Super Fun network of podcasts. So you can follow them at large on Twitter at real SFn. You can also email us at the Superfund network at gmail.com. Uh, put reboot in your subject line so that if you want to send us an email about what you think we should reboot in a future episode or any notes on this week's subject or past subjects, then Ryan knows to forward that to me. Maybe sometime before the year ends, I'll make our own email. But for now, we just deal.
1: Yep. So, Tanner, do you want a hint for next week's episode?
0: I do want a hint for next week's episode.
1: So, in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight.
0: I don't know how this is going to be Halloween themed.
1: It will be, trust me. Okay. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: Listen, yes, they did a half-assed uh, hip-hop version of Be Our Guest. Yeah. But they also did the beauty, that is What's My Name, and the entirety of the character of Uma. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whereas just...
0: Disney Zombies has lyrics like, Bam, oh man, oh man, I'm the man, but you can't do it like I can. Bam, oh man, oh man, you a fan understand. This is Zombieland.
1: If it weren't for that ending, this is Zombieland, you'd think that this was an ode to sex.
0: No need to have worries. Now we're all cool. At first, it was Scurry. (laughs) S-C-U-R-R-Y.
1: I'm feeling old now because I'm like, my first thought was, is this what the kids are saying now? Yeah, the kids are saying Scurry. And then I'm like, this... If you change the lyrics just slightly and made it more like 60s Motown, it would fit perfectly into Grease 2.
0: This is actually a hip-hop song, because all the zombies can hip-hop dance, Well, and all the humans are cheerleaders.
1: Okay, well, okay, this is, oh, oh man.